Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 38. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the upcoming Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. Always a pleasure to be here with you, whether it's on land or, dare I say, at sea. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, it's time for the long-awaited return to the oceans. For the second year in a row, it's the Gary Renard Podcast at Sea. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second official Gary Renard Podcast at Sea. done this once before. This is our second podcast at sea, and the first time was, was such a wonderful thing. We built it into our regular Gary Renard podcast, as well as having uh, an excerpt from it uh, as a YouTube video clip on the web, and people said, oh, it was great. I, we wish we were on the cruise, and you felt like we had a small part of it with you. So we're sharing this time with perhaps thousands, maybe millions of others, because as we know, the miracle has no limit. It, it reaches untold numbers, and so, so, so do our podcasts in their own way. So this is great, World. We had such a good time last time. We're going to do a few questions for Gary. We'll have Gary chat a little bit. Uh, I suppose I should tell you that, in addition to being Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host, uh, I'm also, on this trip, I am the bandito of forgiveness. Yes, you've been waiting for this, and I've been waiting for my voice to come back, so I think it's back enough to, for me to tell you the story. Because just yesterday, Gary, I was walking through the little village in Mexico, and the little children gathered around, and they said, Oh, you with the Gary Renard? Oh, he, he's El Jefe Espiritual, I see. He said, they said, uh, By the way, do, do, do you, you people in the group, do you, do you need any grievances? I said, oh, we don't need those. We don't need no grievances. And another group came on and they said, do you need to have some suffering? I said, we don't need no suffering. And then they came over to me and they said, you people in the group, do you need any ego? And I said, we don't need your stinking ego. And while we discussed this in the cantina, Andre had a great idea too. He said, what we should all do when we get to the questions today, as we talk to everybody, make it like a self-help meeting, you know, where people get up and say, hello, my name is Bill and I'm an alcoholic, or whatever it might be. We're going to get up there and say, my name is Gene and I don't need no stinking ego. And my question for Gary is, that will be like our official... <laughs> we don't know if this will catch on, but it's a great idea. You, know, and you don't need to do the accent. The accent's not necessary. My name is Gary, and I'm a recovering jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't need no stinking evil. That's right. There you go. So, because uh, as we say, it, it actually is an important point. You don't want to actually get angry with the ego, because that's what the ego wants. It doesn't care if you hate it. It just wants you to hate something. It wants you to be angry. It wants you to be irritated. So any of those negative emotions, you're playing into the ego's hands, because that's its game. So even when you say, ah, that damn ego, it's like... Ego's very happy about that. But if you say, that's stinking ego, and you kind of laugh it off, again, the Son of God 
Forgetting not, remembering not, no, not remembering not to laugh. Anyway, remembering to laugh is what shines the ego away in laughter. Mm. I think it's important for people to realize that you are not your ego. You know, it's the ego just something that you confuse yourself to be one with. You know, and when we had that moment of uh, separation, denial, and projection outward, it was kind of like a fusion of yourself with the ego to the point where you couldn't tell the difference between you and your ego. But in reality, you are not your ego. Uh, you're the part of the mind that kind of like observes everything. So you have like you watching this movie, and if you start to kind of like put your ego at a little bit of a distance, then you have the ego on one side of you and the Holy Spirit on the other side of you, and then you can choose who you're going to watch the movie with. You know, whose interpretation of that movie you're going to take on. So you're not your ego. You're the part of the mind that is watching the movie, and now you get to choose who you're going to watch it with, which interpretation you're going to take on. And I think it's helpful to remember that you're actually not your ego. The ego would like you to think you are, and it does everything to convince you that you are, but you're not. Right. Yeah. So that, that really is the core of the great deception. You talked a little earlier in the week, too, how the body is the ego's principal tool, because it's the principal symbol of separation, and it's the principal symbol of identification that we seem to think. Where our body is the most singular thing that we think we are. And in reality, we are not. The ego uses that. Bodies in general, certainly our own body, to, you know, and as you said, we start off life as a, as a baby who is only aware of its own body and cries out for comfort and for food and for whatever else it wants. And that's how we begin. And it all, it all comes downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something interesting, and it kind of follows what you said, and this has my question for you to sort of talk about a bit, uh, was... In when you do workshops all over the world, really, certainly all over the country and the world, uh, speaking engagements, but I think that, that these cruises that we've done, this is our third cruise now, they're probably fairly unique in your experience because of the amount of time you get to spend with a group of people uh, that we all spend together. And there is a seeming dichotomy that you're on a cruise ship, a magnificently beautiful vessel. Uh, we're going to exotic destinations, incredible food, beautiful views. So it's all these sort of the pleasures of the ego's world, and yet at the same time... Cindy in the bikini. And Cindy in the bikini. <laughs> Helen in her elegant dress at the disco. So we have all these beautiful visions that we see. And some might say you were resplendent in your white suit last night, too. John Travolta called up, he wants his look back. So, yeah. <laughs> But, but how do we reconcile that with the fact that what we're really studying is the undoing of this, and yet at the same time we're very much enjoying, and I know that part of the balancing act is to both enjoy it, to enjoy what the ego can offer, but never to take it seriously. And do you feel that that's really brought out in a cruising format more than anything else, perhaps, that you do? Oh, definitely. It's like uh, the people on this cruise are our friends, yeah. and we will be for life. You know, so it's uh, definitely a unique experience. And uh, I decided, you know, when I started to speak a few years ago, uh, I asked Jesus, you know, what do I want from this? What, you know, what am I doing this for? You know, what's it about? And the guidance that I got was, well, first of all, go for the experience of doing it. You know, don't do it for the money. Don't do it because you want to be famous. Don't do it for any other reason than the fact that you want to have this experience of joining with people. And I've mentioned before that I wasn't exactly a people person my whole life. You know, so it's like, I decided, okay, I'll do that. I'm gonna go for the experience of doing it. And it doesn't matter, you know, if I have any money at the end of it or not. 
because you know when I die, I'm not going to take anything with me. You know, and uh, so you know sometimes I charge money, sometimes I work for free. You know, that's not really an issue uh, for me. And the best part of this whole thing for the last several years has just been the people that I get to meet and the people that I get to be with. And uh, I never would have thought that that would be one of the most important things in my life, but that's the way that it turned out. And so, uh, you know, I, I can never tell people how grateful I am uh, for, you know, giving me their experience of the book, telling me the difference that the book has made in their lives. Uh, once in a while, somebody will come up to me, and this happens maybe once a month or something, somebody will come up to me and say that they were going to kill themselves. You know, they're seriously going to commit suicide. And then they read the disappearance in the universe or your immortal reality. And uh, they decided not to. Is that Jesus? <laughs> He's always correcting me. He has a different ringtone, I think. <laughs> so my speaking took on a life of its own. It wasn't the life that I thought it was going to be at first. But it's a better life. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep doing this, you know, as long as I uh, feel like I'm connecting, you know, with people. Because that's what this has become about for me. Feel the love, Gary. Yes, absolutely. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're going to do some questions in a few moments here. We'll get to our famous questions for Gary segment. Um, oh, there's this guy named Steven, right? He did oh, a spoof yeah. of our podcast. Right? He imitates Gene. He imitates me. He imitates Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> and he does this phony podcast and puts it out there like it's us, right? And, and he's a riot, you know. And, and at one point, you know, he has Gene saying, hey, now it's time to take some questions from Gary. And I'll go, oh, Christ. He <laughs> says, do you have time for a couple of questions? And I say, yeah, it's probably a couple of beers from Gary. And he gets something to do. <laughs> He's expanded on our two groups. They've become like separate individuals he's created. So we have Spoof Gene and Spoof Gary. <laughs> Spoof Gene is always being exasperated because Spoof Gary shows up unexpectedly if you've heard any of the spoofs. And there's one of them, I'm allegedly taking a shower and suddenly the curtain is pulled back. Gar, what are you doing here? Oh, hi there, Gene. I was in the neighborhood. I thought it top one. Come on, we're going to do a podcast on the road. It'll be freaking sweet. You know, like, <laughs> so he exaggerates this New England accent for, uh, for Gar. He does a great imitation of Eckhart Tolle. He really does. And I'll say, you know, I don't understand what the hell that guy's talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he portrays Eckhart Tolle as kind of like a James Bond villain. He's always like stroking a Persian cat. I don't want gentleman, baby. Again. <laughs> I'm personally that Gene. I don't understand anything that guy talks about. <laughs> Poor Tolle. <laughs> I met him once. Did you? Yeah, was, was he a lot like the spoof character? Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. A very nice guy. <laughs> Did he have the Persian cat? Uh, no, he has, no. A, he has a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> She's Persian. No. <laughs> what else do we do? I, you know, I know in our normal uh, podcast, because I'm kind of ready for those, uh, well, we usually talk about what you're doing, where you're going, where your travels are taking you. We already know that, so we don't need to, <laughs> you're here. We don't need to talk about the cruise, because you're on the cruise. Um, 
You do. Let me just briefly mention this, though, because you're going to be doing something exciting in Hawaii coming up, right? Well, we'll talk the two things to incorporate our podcast, Hawaii and Chicago. Those two destinations are very important in your life, Gary Renard. Yeah. And I believe yeah. Hawaii comes up first, right? Oh, we're going to Hawaii next week. Next week. Yeah, Big Island. Uh, first time on the Hilo side. Uh-huh. And we've been on the other side of the Big Island, but this will be our first time on the, the Hilo side. We have a five-day retreat that I'm doing with another Course in Miracles t- uh, teacher. His name is David Hoffmeister. Right. Uh, nice guy, good friend. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna, you know, just kind of like really go for it for five days. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna hopefully get over. You know, because I always have an alternative motive. You know, uh, when I go to a place like Hawaii, I want to see something. Yeah. Uh, and so we're gonna hopefully uh, see the volcanoes and see the volcanoes national park, mm-hmm. which I've never been to. Ah, cool. And I've been to. Uh, there are six major islands that you can go to in Hawaii. I've been to five of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only one I haven't been to is Molokai. And we'll, we'll, we're bound to do that eventually because I just love Hawaii and I've managed to make it there 10 or 11 times in my life. And But never until I was 35. Then I went another 13 years mm-hmm. before I got back there for the second time. And almost all the other times that I've been there have been to speak. So, uh, except we got married last uh, July on Oahu, which was great. And, uh, oh man, we did a week on Kauai before that, and it was just like beautiful, really like heaven. And uh, I know it's not heaven, but, you know, as close as you can get uh, in this world. So, uh, yeah, we're doing that, and then uh, you mentioned Chicago. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be named uh, the recipient of something called the Infinity Foundation Spirit Award. And uh, the award's given to a person who's made a meaningful contribution to spiritual and personal growth. And this award has been given to people like uh, you know, Dan Millman, you know, Way of the Peace Warrior, Ram Das, uh, Gary Zukov, Neil Donald Walsh, you know, people like that, uh, the guy that wrote uh, the Celestine Prophecy there, James Redfield. Uh, so, you know, this award has been given to some really big names in spirituality, and I'm not as famous as some of those guys, but they chose to give this award to me. And, you know, I kind of asked uh, the chairman of the Infinity Foundation, why, why are you giving this award to me? And the answer was, well, because you actually put spirit first and money second, because I've worked with these people before. And, you know, I'll get that every now and then. People will say, I can't everybody be like Gary because I, I really just don't care about the money. I don't care about what I get paid. I don't even care if I get paid. And uh, I guess they just chose me to have this award because they can really see that what I'm interested in is spirit. And what I'm interested in is guiding people to be more in touch with spirit. So I'm very grateful for that because it does uh, you know, make more people aware of my work and more people aware of The Course in Miracles. And uh, that's important to me. This isn't about me, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, if it helps share the message of the course with people, then I'm all for that. Definitely. Cool. And when does that happen in Chicago? Uh, Friday night, May 14th, huh? in Chicago. And I'm also doing a workshop the next day, uh, just north of Chicago. I and mean, we love Chicago. And uh, I, I hear we're going to be spending a lot of time there in the future. <laughs> so we'll see. Might as well get familiar with it now. Yeah. Well, let's see if he does the right response to this. Uh, I thought it might be a good idea to do some questions for Gary. Oh, Christ. 
We have one right over here with Beth. You were the first hand I saw come up. And unlike our normal podcast, I can squeeze, no, that's wrong. Unlike our normal podcast where I read the questions that people have emailed in, we have the wonderful opportunity to actually have questions for Gary given to you live by the questioner themselves, Gary. So we're going to start off with Beth here. That's really exciting, Gene. It is. <laughs> Thanks for that performance anxiety I get going on now. Um, Gary, I, I talked with you uh, earlier about kind of the idea, which I struggle with and is painful for me, is when I see animal suffering. Yeah, yeah, we had lunch the other day, and uh, Beth got to ask me some questions. And and that was really helpful. I just kind of had some follow up because for me, for my entire life, one of the most painful things. I experience is when I see animals suffer, and and yeah. you had uh, mentioned that animals and babies is, is kind of what we project innocence onto, or what the ego has projected. Innocence yeah, the way Arden first put it was they they said that the ego had to put the thought of innocence somewhere. So we see our innocence in children, animals, you know, things like that, and we see them as being innocent. Now, of course, the truth is that, you know, people will assume that babies are born innocent and then corrupted by the world. The truth is, they're born with their ego already intact, or else they wouldn't have come here in the first place. You know, so they already have that ego, and then it's going to play itself out as their life goes on. So, you know, babies, you know, yeah, they appear to be innocent, but they're really just egos, or else they wouldn't be here. And I, I feel like I... Um kind of have a good forgiveness process for, let's say I see someone abusing an animal and you had suggested, you know, do the normal thing, you know, call the authorities and so on. But as I was walking around um, some of the ports of call, and this has happened to me before, when, when I see an animal that I perceive as suffering, like a, a starving dog going along a city street, and um, it, it feels painful to me, and, and you had suggested, you know, one thing is, you know, don't see it as a body. You know, it's it's not a body. And I just wondered if you had any uh, forgiveness process that I can use, or is this just something that will come as I continue to, to learn the course and apply it, and this just gets easier? Because it... I almost feel like this is my forgiveness lesson for this life because it's yeah. just been so severe and constant and continual. Yeah. So I'm interested in what you have to say on that. Well, you know, you forgive an animal exactly the same way that you forgive a person. You know, we did the forgiveness thought process earlier in the week. You know, and, and you're thinking, you know, uh, you are a moral spirit, you know. And that body, it doesn't have anything to do with what you are. And it doesn't have anything to do with what they are. So you're, now you're thinking about, even if it's an animal, you're thinking about it as being spirit. You're thinking about it as being perfect, exactly the same as God. There's really no difference in forgiving one kind of a body or another kind of a body. And when you think about them that way, eventually you may find yourself being inspired as to what you should do. Like there's a place, that, I forget exactly where it is, but there's this place where they have like thousands of animals that were homeless and they take care of them. Where is that Cindy? Angel Canyon. Angel Canyon. Yeah, Best friends. Yeah, I mean, you need to go there and help take care of these uh, animals. 
But do it as an expression of love. Don't come from a place of weakness where you're seeing them as these poor victims. Uh, come from a place where you're seeing them as spirit. And there's a good reason for that, aside from the fact that it's the truth. That is how you will think about yourself eventually. Whatever you're thinking about that other person or animal or whatever, eventually that's how you're going to feel about yourself. That's how you're going to think about yourself. That's one of the main reasons for doing this. You know, so uh, it's really a win-win situation because you may feel more uh, guided and better guided as to how you can help. And then on top of that, you're going to think of yourself differently by thinking about them differently. So the next time you have that kind of a situation where you start to uh, you know, feel you know, bad for the animal or something, think about them from a place of power. Think about them as being this perfect spirit that can't be affected by anything in this world. And it doesn't mean that you can't help them. And it doesn't mean uh, that you, you can't uh, be guided as to what to do. You know, also, Gary, you've spoken many times about the importance of generalizing our, our forgiveness study and our forgiveness practice, applying it to everything. The, this year, make everything different by making it all the same. Mm -hmm. So we see everything that way. So maybe that's another great, especially if you feel yourself motivated to, to be active in that area, then there's some reason you're drawn to that. But you can apply any impulse that we might have to the same general principle. Uh, whether, whether it was a, a shark, perhaps attacking us, we, that would be a forgiveness opportunity, or seeing an animal that's been abused or neglected. We see it from a different perspective, but again, it's always the general lesson of truly letting it go and seeing the perfection behind the illusion. Would you say that's a, an accurate uh, take on that? Yes, definitely, and I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the quote there, make this year different by making it all the same. Because when we leave here you know, tomorrow, and I hate to think that we're going to leave, but when we leave here tomorrow, remember the ego sees differences. You know, the ego sees differences everywhere. The Holy Spirit sees everything as being the same. You know, so think about people as all being the same. Think of them all as being this perfect spirit. You know, that is exactly the same as God. And that's a really good, helpful kind of a thing to get into your mind. Because if you remember that, then you'll remember all the rest. You know, if you remember to see spirit everywhere, then everything that you've learned about the Course, the whole thought system will come back to you all at once. You know, all you have to do is remember the truth. It's like the Course says, what is a miracle but this remembering? All you have to do is remember the truth and the rest will take care of itself. When we do the remembering, playing our own part of the atonement, that's all we need to do, and that does affect everything else and everyone else, <laughs> even, even the little dogs, cats, and... I was thinking as we were pulling out of the port last night and watching some of the birds that were hovering right next to the ship here, mm. they would catch the updraft of the seagulls and just essentially just sit there, you know, just manipulating the air as they would, they seem to really enjoy that. I think each one of them is also in some way another expression, another expression of the same illusion that we share. And even though it's not a difference, we perceive we perceive that we're doing something within this, that we're making changes that maybe the seagull's not particularly aware of, but we still share it. And, and at that illusory level, there is no difference. It is all the same. Right. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with loving animals. You know, and, I mean, there's nothing wrong with loving people. It's just that at some point, you remember what they really are. But Cindy and I love animals. You know, we've seen with dolphins probably at least four times. Uh, you know, we're just crazy about them. And, and I, I've seen Cindy when we were in Kauai before we got married. We went to this place called uh, Smith's Tropical Paradise on Kauai. And we practically had the whole place to ourselves because it was like the middle of the day. And uh, there was this beautiful peacock, right? It was about 30 feet away. 
And Cindy started singing Amazing Grace, right? This peacock. I've seen her do this before with other animals. And the peacock starts looking around. Where's that coming from? What's that? that? And, and it takes like one step towards Cindy, then another step. This is about 30 feet away. And eventually this peacock walks all the way over to Cindy and stares at her in the face and is listening to this song. And it's like she, uh, she just has this affinity with animals. It's like we, the last time we went to uh, Oahu, uh, we went to the Kahala Hotel where they have these four dolphins. Uh, and we didn't even swim with them on this particular day. And you know, Cindy's kind of like leaning over and this dolphin comes up to her and then all four of them come up to her and they're just like staring at her and, and it's out in the little water just up enough to hit her on the nose and stuff like that. And uh, you know, she just has this amazing ability uh, with animals. I've seen her make a parrot go all the way across this huge cage, you know, simply by her singing to it. And uh, boy, it's really something. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, it is okay to love animals. It is okay to love people. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have uh, relationships with people. I'm just saying that at some point, at the end of the day, or whenever, you want to think of that person or that animal as being what they really are, and that's what's going to determine your own identity as you'll see it and believe that it is. Cool. Another nice-thinking ego question. Who we got here? What's our next question? Oh, we'll bring it right over to this side of the room here. Hello, Helen. My lovely Helen behind the camera over here doing a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Now that I've frightened the audience. A question for the gear man. Yes, Gary, uh, there's a lesson in the workbook that says, I need do nothing. Right. I come um, from the perspective of needing to do stuff all the time. Be prepared. Do this to do that. Uh, for example, read the course. Do the lesson. <laughs> so, um, for people like me, what can you, what, what advice can you give us? Yeah. When the Course says, I need do nothing, right, it's, it's saying that, uh, you know, forgiveness is something that is done at the level of the mind. You don't have to do anything out there in the world. I'm not saying that you won't. You know, uh, I think the, the best attitude to have about the Course was, there's, was this quote from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. He said, love and do as you will. So if you're coming from a place of love, then whatever you do is going to be okay. You know, it's going to be fine. You're not going to be hurting people. You're not going to be doing the wrong things. You're going to be doing the right things. And that's the philosophy of the Course, I think. You know, it, it's not important what you do. In fact, it doesn't even matter what you do. But, you know, most people aren't going to think that. You know, so it's like, yeah, you're going to do something. You know, you're going to have some kind of a preference while you appear to be here. You know, you're, not, you know, you're probably not going to just stay home and watch TV all day, not that there's anything wrong with that. But, uh, it's like you're coming from this place of love, you're coming from this place of forgiveness, and whatever you do after that, it's going to take care of itself. You know, and I need to do nothing. Well, you know, there's also a place in the Course where it says, listen, learn, and do. Well, it's not contradictory because what you do is you practice forgiveness. That's what the Course is teaching. When the Course talks about doing something, that's what it's talking about. And then it says salvation is undoing. So by practicing forgiveness, you're actually undoing the ego. That's the uh, the place that the course is coming from. The rest of it, yeah, you, you know, you're used to doing things. Well, go ahead. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing things. 
It's just that uh, maybe you'll end up feeling more guided as to what you should do while you appear to be here. But to do that, you've got to be coming from that place of love and forgiveness. Yeah. Who next? You know, I also want to bring up my, my favorite addendum to that is you need do nothing, but we've talked about this, but we need to be willing. There's a difference between doing and being. Being is kind of a state as opposed to the action of the doing. So you need do nothing. Obviously, there's things that we do, but you, you need do nothing, but you do need to be willing. Would that be a key point as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're a very good audience. Thank you so much. Our next pregunta. Oh, okay. My horrible Spanish, but here you go. No estoy teniendo. Do Do you mean need to laugh? Need to laugh? Okay, I'll warm. I'll do one before we wrap up. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> preface it. Questions about uh, the whole, the, I, the idea of uh, what we defend against, we make real, and um, cancer runs in my family. And I, I, for me, I've made the decision. You know, not I'm not going to get cancer. I'm not going to get sick. At least I feel like I've made that decision. Um, but you know, for my child, because um, we uh, basically at some point uh, I was looking for you know cancer-causing agents and, you know, like lotion, like parabens and just, you know, different things. Um, but I guess what I'm asking is, you know, the, since he doesn't, my son doesn't necessarily, hasn't made the decision not to get sick, you know, um, and I know he's just my projection. He's I'm trying to get grasp that, but it is hard with the special relationships. But I mean, how, you know, I guess I just want to know what your, how you feel about that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I'm not saying, you know, that you have to get sick, maybe you never will. But I would like to say that if you ever do get sick, don't feel bad about it. You know, don't beat yourself up. You know, don't feel guilty about it. Remember we said earlier in the week, there's no difference between having a healthy body or a sick body because neither one is true. You know, so we don't want to beat ourselves up. Now, I personally don't believe in germs. You know, I don't, I don't, because I don't believe in the body. So, uh, you know, people will tell me, oh Gary, you meet all these people, you come in contact with all these germs, you get a flu shot, you know. <laughs> and I, I haven't had a flu shot, you know, since I was in grade school. You know, and but I haven't had the flu in 20 years. You know, so it's like uh, there's no reason uh, to get sick other than the idea that you have a belief that you're a body. Uh, the Course says that sickness is something that the ego is using the body for, for a purpose, to, to convince you that you're a body. Now, I'm not claiming that I'll never get sick or anything like that. You know, my ego really tried to kill me just before the book came out. The Disappearance of the Universe, I got... Uh, about a kidney infection. And I didn't know it because it's the same symptoms as having the flu. So I was going to go to bed. And, uh, you know, for some reason, the Holy Spirit kind of like guided me to call my mother-in-law, who was a nurse. And I called her and I told her what was going on and what the symptoms were. And she said, you know, you better get your ass to the emergency room. And if I hadn't gone to the emergency room, 
And if I had gone to bed instead without calling her, I might not have woken up the next day. You know, because that will kill you. You know, having a kidney infection if you don't have it treated, that will kill you. And, uh, you know, people die from infections more than anything in hospitals. You know, so, uh, you know, I just happened to feel guided to call her. I did go to the emergency room. Uh, and this is when I knew for sure that I was still a body. Because this doctor took this great big huge needle and stuck it right into the head of my penis. Right? And I let out a yell that you could hear all the way down the hallway. And it wasn't a very nice word. <laughs> and uh, that's when I knew I, that I had not yet achieved the goal of the course. <laughs> uh, that was pretty bad. And uh, anyway, Make a long story short, I didn't have to spend the night in the hospital and be taking this, uh, you know, these antibiotics and all that. Or told me to drink a lot of water. I was so dehydrated, I didn't have any fluid in me. And uh, they charged me, I think it was about $2,000, you know, to go to the uh, emergency room and, and have all uh, this stuff. And it was funny because I went to the Netherlands a couple of years later and I developed exactly the same symptoms. I recognized it this time. Uh, I went to the emergency room, I got the medicine, they charged me $12 for the medicine, and zero for the emergency room. Yeah, and, I, and I'm a foreigner, I wasn't even a citizen, I didn't pay taxes there, and they still gave me all this stuff for free. And uh, that's why I realized that there's a difference between the way that we uh, you know, treat things in America and the way that we treat things uh, in other countries and, and in other places. I'm not putting down America, but I mean, come on. It's such a difference. And, uh, but uh, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> well, you know, that is an interesting point and one of the big questions that everybody has, because it's a whole part of the human experience that we share, at least we seem to, uh, is, is that aspect of getting sick. We were talking, that might have been with Mark the other day, we were talking about as people progress spiritually, as you begin to evolve with that, do you perhaps find yourself less susceptible to illnesses because you're sort of rising beyond it or above it? Or is it just something, as you say, you could be an ascended master and still get cancer? Now, it might not bother you because you, right. you don't think of it the same yeah. way, but your body seems to be reacting the same way. Or is there a difference? Well, the difference is in your experience. You know, like, yeah, I decided to get sick a couple of times. I also decided to get well pretty fast. You know, so uh, it's like Jesus says in that section in the teacher's manual, uh, how is healing accomplished? What you need to do is look at it, and, and you know, I'm, I'm doing this because my ego wants me to think that I'm a body. And the Course says that you could simply say, I have no use for this. You know, I, I, just, I don't need this. I don't need this sickness. And it can go away. Uh, that time I was in the airport in Cincinnati, and somebody accidentally pushed me down the escalator. And I, I went face first down the escalator. And uh, there's blood all over the place. I had these huge bruises. I separated my shoulder. Uh, I went, they made me go to the doctors. You know, they were afraid I was going to sue them or something, which that wouldn't water. And uh, you know, <laughs> the doctor looked at me and said, well, you're going to have those bruises for a long time. And you better take a couple months off. And I said, no, I don't think so. And I was back on the road like in nine days. You know, and uh, 
you know, it's like the, the bruises went away incredibly fast. Uh, I had all these cuts on my face and blood all over the place. But the thing is, it didn't hurt. You know, it was like there was no pain. And uh, I think that it's possible that even if we do get hurt, that it's uh, entirely possible for us to not feel any physical pain. It's like Gardner Persis said in that chapter, healing the sick, pain is not a physical process, it's a mental process. Where is the pain, really? The pain is in your mind. And that's where the body is, too. The body is just a projection that is coming from your mind. And so that means that whatever pain you're projecting into that you know, body, you can change your mind about it. You know, so it really is possible for us to get to the point where we can be like Jesus. He says the guiltless mind cannot suffer. We can get to the point where it would actually be impossible for us to feel physical pain. And uh, it's like we said before, you know, you take away the pain, then there is no problem. Because it's not the problem that's the problem, it's the pain that is the problem. You take away the pain, you take away the suffering, there is no problem. And even, I think, as we talked about before, one of the most difficult things is to deal with a potential illness or, or injury to a loved one, to, a, to your child, to your parent, to a spouse. Um, and those are the things that are really tough to deal with. But as we said before, there's, there's ultimately no difference. If we totally generalize it, if we make it the same, we see them all as the, the perfection that they truly are and not the illusion of the body that they merely seem to be. And that's what can help us and ultimately completely free us from that level of concern, because we're not concerned for the physical existence when we know that it's not real at all, and that the true existence is, is not possible to be harmed. Yeah, I would say that's true, and, and I'd also say that if you do get sick, or if your son does get sick, uh, it's okay to do the normal thing. It's okay to get treatment. Uh, you know, this isn't about, uh, you know, kind of like denying uh, magic. What the Course calls magic is simply using illusions to treat illusions. You know, that's all the magic is. But the Course doesn't say that it's bad. You know, it doesn't judge it. It doesn't say that it's uh, a bad thing for you to get treatment or for you to go to a doctor or for you to you know, do whatever you feel guided to do. And I really think that uh, we have to take responsibility for our own health. You know, just like we become our own ministers, in a way we also have to become our own doctors. You know, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, of course. And... Uh, you know, because if you don't take responsibility for yourself, nobody else really cares as much as you do about your health. You know, so I really think that, uh, you know, it's okay to do whatever you feel guided to do. I think that one of the mistakes of Christian science, because Mary Baker Eddy was really cool, and she, uh, she taught a lot of great things in her science and health uh, book there. And uh, Jesus even paid tribute to her in the Course by using a couple of the same quotations. Uh, that she used back in uh, Science and Health. For example, it was her who first pointed out, I believe, uh, that she said, you know, the Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon Adam. And nowhere in the Bible is there any reference ever to him waking up. You know, and it was actually Mary Baker Eddy who said that first. And then Jesus was thing, kind of giving her a tip of the hat by including that, you know, as part of the course. So, uh, it was like that other quotation, you know, uh, many are called, but few choose to listen. Mm -hmm. It's like we're all called. We're all called all the time by the Holy Spirit. There's none of us that isn't chosen by the Holy Spirit. We've all been chosen. It's just that most of us don't listen. And uh, you see a big tendency nowadays 
among course students and among spiritual students. Uh, everybody's hearing the voice of God. Everybody's hearing the Holy Spirit. And then everybody's more than anxious to tell you what the Holy Spirit told them to tell you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you what other people should do. The Holy Spirit tells you what you should do. You know, that's your sole responsibility. It's not about telling uh, other people, you know, what to do. And everybody assumes that they're hearing the voice for God. Well, maybe they are a little bit, but what they're doing is they're filtering it with their ego. Uh, the Course says that only very few can hear God's voice at all. But as soon as Helen Shepard put out A Course in Miracles and people heard that she was hearing the voice for God, well, then it's, well, I'm hearing the voice for God, too. And I don't have to do the forgiveness work, and I don't have to undo my ego in order to be able to hear the voice for God. All I have to do is, uh, you know, just write down whatever you know, the voice tells me, and that's all well and good. The only problem is, is that what they're hearing is being filtered by their ego, and that's true of anybody. It's true of Neil Donald Walsh. It's true of anybody who uh, thinks that they're hearing God's voice. Uh, there's a new book out. It's called When God Spoke to Me, and it's, it's the stories of like 70 people you know, who uh, think that they're hearing the voice for God. But you look at it, and you can tell that none of these people have done the forgiveness work, you know, that of course miracles calls on us to do. And you have to do that in order to remove the interference uh, between you and God's voice. The more you undo the ego, the more you practice forgiveness coming from a place of cause rather than effect, the more you undo that ego and undo that unconscious guilt, the better you're going to hear spirit because you're more in touch with spirit now. But you can't skip that part. You know, you can't just skip to the end. You know, I, you know, I know the Course says that God can be joined with in only an instant, and that's true. But uh, Jesus, many times in the Course, is talking to us from a very high place that he knows that we have not achieved yet, but that we can get to by undoing the ego. But, you know, why have a workbook? Why have all these things that we're supposed to learn and all these things that we're supposed to do, you know, and then just ignore them? And a lot of people are ignoring them. And then they'll, the next thing they'll do is they'll read somebody else's course, because you've got all these course students, and what's the first thing they do? They make up their own course. <laughs> you know, so now you're going to do their course. I've actually heard people say, well, this is a step beyond the course. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, you know, you see someone like David Hawkins, and he'll calibrate things, you know, up to a level of a thousand. Uh, he calibrated the course at like 600. He, he calibrated his own book at like 999. <laughs> and I'm sorry, David, but you're not Jesus. And yes, the course does spend some time talking about the ego, and he didn't like that, because he thinks you should just make friends with your ego, as we pointed out earlier. Well, you know, the ego ain't interested in that. And, uh, you know, he may be a brilliant scientist, but he's not too smart. So it's like, uh, you know, what we want to do is, is stick to what the Course says and undo the ego. Salvation is undoing. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. You know, it's a really interesting point, too, that it doesn't matter. In your case, you have Arden and Persa show up on your living room couch, wherever the couch happens to be nowadays. And uh, it was originally in Maine, and now the couch is in L.A., but it doesn't matter. Or That's right. Uh, I actually lost the couch oh, no. uh, in the divorce oh. to Karen, and she gave it back to me. Wow. Wow. And I was in L.A. Well, someday the Smithsonian. 
But it doesn't matter if it's the ascended master showing up or if Jesus himself walked into the room to talk to someone personally. That can never do the work for you. And Jesus would be the first one to say that. You, we always have to do the work for ourselves. So it doesn't matter how, how high level your personal connection to spirit, you still have to do the work. You have to make the choice. You have to turn over that awareness and, and you have to always make that willingness happen. Yeah. So no one can do it for you, even the J guy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But he will definitely guide you along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we have right now, we have probably time for one more quick question. Then we're going to let you kind of wrap up our official podcast. Uh, before we break for lunch, I think you and Cindy are going to do a little a little musical tune for us at the piano. Yeah, we'll do something a little different. Uh, Cindy's going to actually play the piano uh, for you this morning. Uh, that's what she does on her CDs. She uh, uh, plays the piano. She writes all the songs on her CDs. And uh, she's very good. When I first heard her, you know, because I've been a musician my whole life. And when I first heard her, I said, you know, son, she's really good. And and she is. And, uh, you know, she's got, like, these major record companies looking at her and stuff like this. And maybe she'll, you know, end up being famous. And then she can support me in the manner to which I've become accustomed. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do this. We'll make one more quick question, and then we'll have Gar do a little podcast wrap up for us here. We have our other question over here. Okay, my yeah. How do you know when you do this coursework? Is it a feeling of everything's flowing? I feel constant inner peace. Um, what does that look like? What does that yeah. feel like? So you know, you have a measurement. I, I know that we project on and we see what we project, but. Um, it would be great to kind of know the measurement. I kind of have a thing for metrics, <laughs> you know, so how do you know? Well, the way that this is going to show up for most people is going to be that feeling of peace. Just ask yourself, if I get upset, how long does it last? It's like, a, you know, if you just stay upset for a little while and you notice that it's going away faster, then that is a really good indication that you are making tremendous progress in this life. I'm not saying that I never get upset, but I know that it doesn't last. It was a time when I would get upset and stay that way for days. Now it's minutes. You know, I've had uh, even Karen, when I was married to Karen, uh, I got really upset with her once, and she came back into the room about a minute later, and she was astounded to see that I was not upset anymore. But it went away just that fast. And she said, what happened? I said, well, it's perhaps some forgiveness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you get to that point where you find that even if you do get upset, which everybody does once in a while, even the most advanced spiritual people get annoyed once in a while. And uh, it's like, if you find that not lasting, that's a really good indication. And yeah, these peak experiences that we talk about, like revelation and things like that, that may happen too, it may not. Uh, we can't judge our experiences against somebody else's experiences because we don't know what other experiences we've had in other lifetimes or will have in uh, our final lifetime. It's interesting, Michelle's question is a good one too because even though the metrics are not important per se, it's a good indicator of are we, you know, you want to know are we working in the right direction. Uh, if you were working out at the gym, it doesn't really matter how much you're lifting, but if you see that you're able to lift more, you know you're getting stronger, so the exercises are working. So the right. same thing there. It's hard to measure these spiritual things, but what you just said is perfect. 
when you see yourself more quickly smoothing out, when you see yourself recovering from a grievance more and more quickly, you know you must be achieving your goal or moving towards it. So that might, maybe that's the only way we can really know because there's, a, there's no real other way to measure our own progress other than in, maybe it's how little we value what we used to value in the world because we've taken on something of greater value in its place now. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Well, maybe you have a little closing podcast. Though. As I say, we'll do more Q&A uh, coming up in the afternoon session. But uh, it might be the perfect time for Gary to sum up what it means to be on the spiritual cruise with a loving group of friends like this. Well, that's great. And uh, you know, anyway, I want to thank Gene you know, for doing this because, uh, as I said, I never knew what a podcast was. I wasn't interested in doing one. And uh, it was his idea completely, and it's really done the work a lot of good. And they go all, all over the world. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that we uh, got to do this because, you know, more people will see it on YouTube and uh, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, in a way, I can't even believe that I'm doing this, you know, because it's like, it wasn't me. Uh, when I first came to the idea that I was going to speak in public, I was terrified. And my idea was that I would speak maybe two or three times in public and then I would quit because I just want to answer people's questions. There were people who were having questions about my experience. There were people who were saying, well, is this guy for real? Is he kidding? Does he really believe that this happened? Uh, that these two ascended masters really appeared to him? And uh, the answer is yes. I don't care if you believe it. The point is, I believe it. You know, and, that, and that's all I need. You know, I don't need the approval of people. I don't need uh, you know, anybody's agreement or anything like that. And as far as the truth is concerned, the way it is, it's expressed in my books, Arvind Persa said, the truth is the truth whether you understand and agree with it or not. You know, the truth is not going to change. 2,000 years from now, the truth will still be that God is. You know, and God is the only truth. You know, and you may not agree with that, and you may want the world to be real, well, fine. But uh, the world is not real, and God is. That's why we have a perfect home to go home to. You know, so, uh, you know, the main reason that I wanted to speak at first was so that I could answer these questions that people had about my experience, about my personal experiences. And then it just kind of like took on a life of its own. And uh, I decided to keep doing it. And when Armin Hirsch came back to do the second book, you know, they said, you know, Gary, uh, you, know, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to, but if you feel uncomfortable about speaking, then that means that there's something that you need to forgive. You know, the Course says, I'm never upset for the reason I think. So there was some other reason beyond speaking that I was concerned about. It was there in my unconscious mind. And by being able to forgive the idea of getting up and speaking to people, I was able to undo with the Holy Spirit, this unconscious guilt that's in the mind. So uh, it's turned out to be a very good thing for me uh, in many ways, not just because of all these relationships and people that I've gotten to meet, but also because it furthered my forgiveness work uh, on a personal level. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful to Jean. I'm grateful uh, to everybody. And uh, I'm grateful to you, Helen. Helen is the person behind the camera. And uh, we love you, Helen. Thank you, Gare. And one thing we can say for sure, that's an absolute truth, that even when we're at sea, because it doesn't matter where we are, whatever the question, forgiveness is always the answer.
Is that true again? Yes, or as Stephen put it, whatever the question, Guinness, is always the answer. <laughs> you don't know how close I am to getting that wrong most weeks. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. As I say, we're going to be doing more uh, question and answer through the afternoon session. We're going to have some music from Gar and Cindy in just a moment. But for the purposes of our podcast, our second podcast at Sea, thank you guys so very much for being part of it. And if we could, let's wrap it up with a, round, a closing round of applause for the start of our A couple of quick reminders for everybody. If you'd like to find out more about our upcoming conference calls, and one of them will be upcoming rather soon, you can find out about that all the time uh, if you're subscribed to Gary's email newsletter list. And, of course, you can subscribe to that at his website. That's GaryRenard.com. You know, that's the one he named himself. And you can also find out uh, more information about any calls like that or any of the upcoming activities that we're doing together at forgiveness.tv. There's a link right there on the home page that you can email me. I can give you the email address right here. How convenient. It is forgiveness.tv at gmail.com. And just ask me to add you to the list, and I'll go ahead and do that. And any questions, whether it's about conference calls, upcoming activities, or my on-course with Gene Bogart group, I'll tell you more about that in a moment, you can get any information about that by just emailing me directly at gene at genebogart.com. Even if you just want to say hi, that's fine too. On Course with Gene Bogart is a group that I started back on January 1st. Working out really well in addition to discussions about A Course in Miracles. Uh, our main feature is we're presenting each day my daily recordings audio recordings of the lessons from the workbook of A Course in Miracles. And I'm getting wonderful commentary from people telling me how much the lessons mean to them, how much it's helping them gain kind of a deeper understanding of the course. I'm not commenting on the course. I mean, these are just verbatim recordings of the lessons. But I really feel like I'm being inspired as I do this work, inspired by the Holy Spirit directly. Manny has his hand in this process, I'm telling you. And when you hear some of these, you'll, you'll see that I sound a bit different, significantly different from my usual uh, fun-loving self. These are done much more seriously and much more uh, powerfully. I really have to say that word. It's not me doing it. It's power that's coming through me as I record them. And I'm, I'm privileged and very happy to be doing it. I'll be honest, it's an awful lot of work to make them sound as they come out sounding because there's a lot of editing and cleanup that goes into the process, not just the recording part. But I really feel it's a calling here. And uh, I'm hearing a, a lot of supporting comments from so many people, members of the group, who, who consistently tell me how much this means to them and keep up the good work, Gene. So I really appreciate that, and, and we're going to stick with it. So every day of the year, we're going to be putting out a new lesson, uh, unless there's a technical problem we can't overcome in time. I think I've only missed two so far, so we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with those later. But I'd love to have you guys join in. We do request that people consider making donations. They are completely voluntary. We ask that everybody simply confer with the Holy Spirit individually and see what your guidance is. And whatever that is, whether it's by amount of donation or whether to donate at all, either way is fine. We'd love to have you be a member of the group. You can find out more about that group directly by going to this website, oncourse.genebogart.com. And, of course, for information, feel free to email me. That's gene at genebogart.com.
and the Gary Renard Podcast is a production of Enlighten Up Creations released by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2010, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart, all rights reserved, all grievances forgiven. For more information about, the, well, I've given you this information already, but one more time, for anything about Gary, his activities, his upcoming speaking engagements, uh, any information about Gary Renard, go to GaryRenard.com. And for our podcast headquarters, go to Forgiveness.tv. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks so much for listening. We look forward to being with you every time on a new podcast. And even though you've already heard this mentioned, it was said at sea, but I think it bears repeating whether on sea, on land, anywhere in the world, and on any world, that whatever the question, forgiveness is always the answer. Alright, we can stop the camera. Now we can talk on the crap we really want to say. <laughs> <laughs>